The Guardian. Bonjour, assalamu alaikum et bienvenue à notre podcast musulman islamophonique. Yes, I'm speaking French, which means one thing and one thing only. The Guardian has kicked me out of the building, it's put me on a train and it's sending me to France. France has the largest Muslim population in Europe. There's about six million of them living in the country, sometimes in Paris, mostly in the south of France, especially concentrated around the Marseille area. Did you like the way I said Marseille? We don't have the money to go to Marseille, but I do have the money to go to Paris. I only have 36 hours, but while I'm there, inshallah, I'll be going to the Grand Mosquée, which has a tea room, a restaurant, and a hammam. You don't get that in Regent's Park or Birmingham. And I'll be popping into the Arab Institute, which is something of a tourist attraction and architectural wonder, I believe. And inshallah, I'll be going on an eating and smoking tour around the capital too, with someone in the know. So I've been in Paris for a few hours now, and what my first impressions? A lot more multicultural than I thought. My taxi driver turned out to be Algerian, and he also knows Monsieur Siddiqui, who I'm meeting from the Grand Mosquée. Uh, my taxi driver, I didn't ask his name, that's really bad. Um, but he was very sweet, and he talked in French about French Muslims and the problems they face and the problems that Muslims worldwide face. He also corrected me on my French and gave me some handy phrases that I can impress people with or not. Anyway, he's going to be going to Friday prayers later and so am I. And um, I think I might have to sneak in a quick tagine before I do. <laughs> I'm sitting in the courtyard of the Grand Mosquée in Paris. It's a beautiful building and it has a lovely courtyard with gardens and trickling fountains and you know on the sides you have old Arab looking women sort of chatting and passing the time of day and then you've also got people who are taking pictures. People who don't look like Muslims but have come to have a look anyway. And what I noticed at Friday prayers was that you have a lot of young people alors maintenant c'est Djelou Sidiki et je suis le directeur. I'm the director of the Institute of Aysar Ali. It's part of the Grand Mosque of Paris. This institute was founded in 1993 with the ambition of training imams and chaplains. Est-ce que vous me pouvez dire quelque chose sur l'histoire de cette mosquée? La Grande Mosquée de Paris est une vieille idée de The Grand Mosque of Paris is an old idea from the time of the colonial French. Since 1533, at the time of King Francois I and Caliph Suleiman the Magnificent, they wanted to build a mosque for Muslim people. It's a long story, but you have to wait until 1917, when they created an association in Algiers. Then Algeria was part of French territory. They created this mosque, starting to build it in 1922, and it was opened in 1926. So it's an old mosque, more than 80 years, and it's a bit of a symbol of French Islam. Est-ce que vous le trouvez étrange que cette mosquée est un endroit touristique ainsi qu'un lieu de prière 
la mosquée, elle a généralement, euh, d'après le prophète de l'islam, elle a The mosque, rôles. following the saying of the prophet, rôle, peace be upon him, has three functions. Rituel, First, the cultural ritual function. Second, to teach. And third is a place for discussion. This mosque is on two floors, and that's around 15,000 square meters. It's a little jewel in the Latin quarter, a change from the Gothic or medieval architecture. Because it's in the image of Andalusian architecture and it's built of glass, it's a ball of oxygen for those in Paris who want to visit this oasis of peace, happiness and beauty. And the mosque is open to both Muslim and non-Muslim people. And in truth, the mosque belongs to everybody. The mosque belongs to God. She belongs to you, me, and everybody. La mosquée, c'est la maison de Dieu, donc elle appartient à Dieu seulement. Elle vous appartient à vous, à moi et à tout le monde. Et finalement, est-ce que c'est facile d'être musulman ainsi qu'en français Être musulman n'est pas contradictoire. To be Muslim isn't contradictory with being a French citizen. Before 1905, to be French, you needed to be Catholic. But since then, with the separation of church and secular states, you don't need to be Catholic anymore. For the last century, to be French, you didn't need to be religious. No, it's not a contradiction to be French and religious. France changed since 1905. It's a mosaic of religions, Protestant, Catholic, Russian Orthodox, Armenian, minority Chaldean, Trappist, etc., 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 and for the Muslims, you've got Sunni, Shia, Ismaili, Jizit, Hanafite, Safayit, Malachite. No, it's not contradictory. I really feel European, French and Muslim, all together. European, Muslim He also said that the tea room and the steam room and the restaurant have nothing to do with the mosque, which is a shame because I kind of like the idea of the imams running sort of cafes and Turkish baths. But of course what does happen is that you go in for a cup of tea, you have your tagine, you have your full body scrub and then, you know, you think, oh, I wonder what's up the road. You go up the road and then lo and behold, there's a mosque on your doorstep. And of course it's not just any mosque, it's as Monsieur Siddiqui was calling it, it's a breath of fresh air, it's a jewel in the crown of Paris. And it's not something many people know about. And it's a real crowd puller, and I think that's something to be proud of. Um, there are now people staring at me because I've got a microphone and wires coming out of my bag, and I'm really worried that I might get arrested because that's what happened to that BBC guy. But before I leave the mosque and head to Lima, l'Institut du Monde Arabe, I'm going to pop into the tea rooms and see who's there and soak up the atmosphere. So after my cup of tea, I hot-tailed it across town to another surprising Muslim landmark, the Institut du Monde Arabe. Now it's won a ton of acclaim for its design and its content, and it's that rare thing in a capital city. It's a triomphe of steel and substance. I am uh, Philippe Cardinal, responsible for communication and public relations at the Institut du Monde Arabe, Arab World Institute, in Paris. It's very unusual to have an Arab institute in a European capital city. You are right, because it's the only Arab World Institute in the world. This place opened its door in 1987. France, with the Arab countries, decided at the end of the 70s, at a moment when the image of the Arab world and Arabs themselves was deteriorating. This institution is run by France and all the Arab countries, members of the Arab League, to let the French and European public know more about Arab culture. It's very popular with non-Arabs. I've come along on a Friday afternoon and it's very busy. There are lots of people in the cafe, lots of people sitting outside in the sunshine. 
What do you think the appeal is to non-Arabs? Well, you're right. The place is rather successful. We have about a million visitors every year. We present every aspect of Arab culture, film, theatre, exhibitions, uh, lectures, whatever, you name it. And the public, since the beginning, has responded in a city like Paris, in which you find millions of things to do. I think that the French feel that Arab culture is, in the same time, very near and very different. So maybe it's this contrast in Paris, you have a very strong African and Arab presence. How does the Institute help create better understanding of what their lives are like? At the beginning, the Institute was created not for the Arab public. It was created for the French, but we have realized after years, French people of Arab origin would use the Institute to uh, know more about their own roots. Come here to our library, museum, our lectures, with the intention of knowing more about their own identity, I would say. What's your favourite part of the Institute? Oh, um, I would say um, probably the exhibitions we uh, present here is what we are proud of. But there are many different aspects of what we are doing here which are really interesting. The building itself is something. One of its architects, uh, Jean Nouvel, received a week ago the Pritzker Prize. They call it the Nobel for Architecture. What contribution does Arab culture make to French life? Oh, uh, well, lots of things. I mean, as you know, the Arabs were very important in some sciences like medicine, astronomy, mathematics. A lot of Occidental European culture is based on those science. So uh, we owe a great deal to the Arabs. And it is said also, on another hand, that uh, couscous, which comes from the uh, Arab world, is the most favorite dish of the French people. Now, if you know me, by this point, a mosque and a museum in one day was a bit much. A bit too much high culture. And after all, I was in Paris, home of beauty and elegance. So with that in mind, I decided it was time for some serious pampering. Step forward, the beauty clinic. Je suis ici avec Dora Mabrouk. Pourquoi nous sommes ici? Nous sommes ici parce que tu voulais, tu voulais une épilation des sourcils avec un bout de fil. While I was reclining back in the chair in the barber salon, having my eyebrows taken care of. I was beginning to get my head around the French Muslim experience. Racially, they're much more diverse, which brings its own advantages and disadvantages. They're in all walks of life because there's an emphasis on secularism and separating religion from the public sphere, which means you get Muslims downplaying their religious identity. And finally, but most importantly, the French, well, the Parisians anyway, are really into Arab culture. Seriously, in the tea room, in the restaurant, in the hammam, even in the mosque. You've got lots of non-Muslims just walking in and soaking up the atmosphere. 
And it's a good thing, isn't it? Donc je t'ai emmené dans un quartier indien, pakistanais, où il y a toutes les communautés, des Africains, des Chinois, des Pakistanais et des Indiens qui travaillent ensemble dans les mêmes boutiques, ce qui est assez rare. Hein, tu vois, ça te montre un petit peu le côté cosmopolite de, 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 de Paris. Et donc on est à Strasbourg-Saint-Denis. Et donc là, tu vas te faire charcuter dans quelques secondes. While I was having my facial hair removed, I found French journalist Dora Mabrouk. Now, she's originally from Tunisia, well, her family are anyway, but she herself was born and raised in France. So she started telling me about her experiences. I went to French school, so I never felt contradiction between being French and having Arabic culture, Muslim culture and French culture. So what I'm trying to do is to share my own point of view of both cultures. I've always had, maybe also thanks to my parents, non-Muslim French friends and Muslim friends, but often noticed that sometimes there was misunderstanding between both sides. And I try to fill the gap by publishing a magazine on Muslim women in France to really show another image of Islam in France and that there could be as many ways of believing and practicing a faith as there were people. The next day I had a rendezvous with her friend Amel Boubeker, who's a sociologist. Now she specializes in studying Islam in Europe, so I thought if anybody could tell me about French Muslims, it would be her. Well, Muslim community in France is quite old, actually, and quite diverse. We have various ethnic backgrounds, social classes, and I think the best description of Islam in France is that it is moving and evolving quite fast. What do you do and how did you get into your job? I'm finishing my PhD in Paris on the contemporary transformation of Islamic militancy. I'm trying to find out how political Islam, which means the political mobilization of the Islamic symbol has evolved for the 25 past years in Europe. And I'm also working at a think tank based in Brussels, where I lead a program called the Europe and Islam as well. Quelle est la situation des musulmans français comparé au reste de l'Europe? The situation of Muslims in France depends a lot from the political will of the moment, actually. Uh, the majority of uh, Muslims in France have a um, working class background, but we can observe a certain social mobility among the Islamic youth. A lot of young Muslims go to universities, they graduate from universities. They are trying to get empowered, especially concerning their civil rights, application of citizenship, vote, and so on, which is quite different from the experience of the older immigrants. Qui sont les personnalités les plus importantes Well, we have a lot of religious figures, of course, such as Dalil Boubaker and Tarek Kubru. But I would say that those traditional religious figures, if I can put it that way, are more and more challenged by the emergence of new figures of actors, singers, who are doing Islamic things, but in a new way trying to promote a new Islamic culture, which is quite interesting and has a lot of success among Muslim youth in France. Can you give me some examples? Yeah, for example, someone like Abdel Malik, who is a convert rapper from Congolese origin. And uh, he first did a very hardcore type of rap, but now he is much more trying to use Islam as a way to share 
common values between Muslims and non-Muslims. What about actors and footballers? Well, generally, Muslims in France were not used to uh, making their Islamic religiosity visible in public sphere. And it's something that is changing, actually. So, for example, Zidane was very proud, proud to uh, explain that he has an Adrian background, but saying that he's Muslim was not considering as an adding value for existing in the public sphere. Now, it's becoming less and less stigmatizing to speak about your Islamic background. Because what happens in Britain is that the moment somebody in the public sphere says that they're Muslim, everyone becomes obsessed, sometimes that public figure stops being a footballer or an actor and become Muslim. So it's quite interesting that you say that about French personalities. Yeah, if you look at someone like Fadela Amara saying that she's observant Muslim, but in politics she's secular. That's new type of statement, especially because, you know, in France we had this huge controversy around the veil, and the veil focused the obsession for an Islam which is visible. So now Muslims and non-Muslims are trying to learn ways making Islam visible, but in a non-controversial way. And to understand wearing the veil, if it's a free choice, it's not equal to forced marriage and discrimination. But at the same time, all these issues should not be underestimated by the Muslim community. They have to face these issues as well. Just as I was getting into the swing of things... Now I've just had a near-death experience with my new friend Dora, who made me cycle through the streets of Paris. But she's brought me to, how would you describe this area? What's this part of Paris called? Uh, Saint-Michel, Saint-André-des-Arts, which is a very nice area. You, it's an area where you can find lots of French publishers. And we are here with a French publisher. Comment t'appelez-vous? Je m'appelle Bachari et l'édition, elle est en mon nom, à savoir les éditions Bachari. Donc, what kind of books do you publish? On est en fin de compte une maison d'édition généraliste. On publie des euh, livres qui concernent l'Orient, à savoir le monde arabe. Voilà. So he um, publishes books on different cultures in France. So I've got a book about les Andes. Yes, Indians in France. It's a collection of uh, guides. You have the Indian community in France, Algerian community, Morocco, and it tells you the history, how they came, why they came in France, where they live, and what kind of jobs they are doing. So it's a very interesting collection. Quelle culture vous intéresse le plus? Toutes les cultures nous intéressent, en particulier les chinoises, les cultures indiennes, les cultures arabes. What is very interesting about culture here is that they can melt. Uh, you have the Pakistani, the Indian community, you have the Mor Morocco, the Algerian, the Maghribi one. But what is really interesting is that you have this melting between culture. You can have mixed marriages, for example. It's not everyone on his own. And when you have so many cultures melting, what kind of energy does the city get from it? Beaucoup de choses positives et beaucoup de contradictions et beaucoup de problèmes aussi à savoir qu'il y a des communautés euh, qui sont bien intégrées euh, dans la communauté française, puis il y a des communautés qui ne sont pas donc, bien intégrées. Alors il y a un problème de langue, il y a un problème de travail, il y a un problème de, de nourriture, il y, a, donc, il y a beaucoup de problèmes par rapport à ces communautés euh, 
qui sont récentes en France. The Arab culture has a very high profile in Paris especially. Is there more attention to Arab culture than Indian culture or Pakistani culture? Well, uh, you have a specific relationship in France to Arab countries, to Maghrebi countries, especially because of history. Mm. We have a, a history background different uh, from the British one with India and Pakistan. Indeed, French were in North Africa and African countries too. So all this is uh, a melt of love and... Uh, <laughs> history. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, maybe the Arab culture is better known. And with all those cultures, what you get is that you are living globalization in the capital, actually. Is there a lot of integration between different sort of ethnic cultures and French culture? Yes, completely, completely. I mean, if you, if you have a look around you, you will see that everywhere in Paris, uh, you have the restaurants, you have the, the shops, even the La Haute Couture, mm. inspired by Arab culture. You can see it everywhere. But it's also true in the other sense. Mm. Even Arab culture is taking from Western culture. So from a British perspective, people see France as being a racist country. Is that a fair perception? Well, I think that from outside the country, mm. we have only one view of what can happen in the country. And what I used to say is things are more complicated. If you don't see this complicated part, you, you can't understand. France is a, a big country, and I think even if there are people who are racist, you can't deny that. You also have to recognize that you have the opportunity, the possibility, when you come to live in France, when you are born in France, and you go to French school, to French university, you can have the same chances because mm -hmm. you have the same rights, even if um, sometimes because of your name on your CV you can't get the same job, it's up to you to be dynamic, to have more imagination. So I think that at one moment you have to stop feeling like a victim and take your destiny between your hands by building within your society, participate to change some mentalities who are able to accept you like you are. So, France, well, Paris at least, certainly a surprising place. It has a lot to offer. I remember last year, Tom Hall from The Lonely Planet Guide told me that Paris would be one of his top 10 halal holiday destinations, and I was really surprised. But after just 36 hours, I can see there's absolutely a ton of things to do. If all we hear is controversy, headscarves and riots, then there are certainly more layers to the uh, <coughs> onion than we're led to believe. You've been listening to Islamophonique. It was presented by me, Riaz Atbat, and produced by Matt Hayward. Until next month, take care, Slava alaikum, and look after yourselves. Bye-bye. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio. <laughs>